Gary Ullman. We celebrate him. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. That's right. We don't talk about it, but we celebrate him. A final word. A final word is a final word. You can't come back and say it you want to join our patreon we might release it later on yeah it's okay learn you learn we all do fans are called the greats we said. speaking of the fans shout out to the fans if you're listening right now and this made it into the cut uh you're you're above average welcome to the greatest movies of all time podcast each episode um We've been called upon to put in the hard work and debate and declare what are, in fact, the greatest movies of all time. My name is Jesse, and this week I'm joined by Gabriel. Hello, folks. And JB. Hey, everyone. And we are the Council of the Anointed. We didn't choose this job. Um, It chose us. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's how this thing works. Um, Today we'll be discussing The Five Bloods, the latest Spike Lee joint, Um, and as always, we'll be wrapping up the show with our betting games and having other fun antics. But before we do any of that, we have some business we have to take care of at the top of the show before we get into this. Speaking of the betting games, at the end of our last episode, um, Gabriel was our first to clinch a four wins victory. And that, that's right. It was, Woo! I think it, it was trending on Twitter a little bit. What that really means is he gets to champion a film, a film that he is going to declare as one of the greats. We're going to end on the episode with that. The other piece of his win, we have a letterbox.com account. It's letterbox.com slash greatest movies. And right now, as of the recording of this, um, it's our top four favorite films is left blank. In a minute, I'm going to turn it over to him to discuss and share what will those four films be. And they will stay there until someone else unseats him. Or if he wins again before JP or myself, <laughs> um, he can choose to change those or leave the four the same. He can, you know, it's the top four. The first thing anybody sees when they go to our letterbox account, um, we'll see these four films. So, um, Gabriel, what do we got? I'll start updating it as uh, we speak. Yeah, so to to preface this, these are not my four favorite films of all time by any means. Okay. These are what I'm calling my my quarantine four. Right, I like the um, approach. These these are the four films that um, I've either returned to during quarantine as sort of warm blankets to offer comfort, um, or one that that kind of reminds me a bit of what it feels like to be quarantined. Um, so my quarantine four, one of which is a film we have discussed on this show, um, is Knives Out. Okay. One of the greats. It's one of the greats. I apologize. We are supposed to say that when it's mentioned. One of the greats. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's a lighthearted, fun romp. We've discussed that. I'm not going to go into any further detail. But yeah, we, have, yeah, we have a whole episode about it. That's right. That is one that I have gone back to and, and have found pleasure in that while being stuck at home um another one that has brought me great joy on multiple occasions is a little taika waititi film which we briefly mentioned on this this taika uh called hunt for the wilder people 
Oh yeah, you've recommended. I know. I know JB is a fan. I've yet to see it. This is one that that I do believe at some point we should visit and have a discussion about whether or not it is one of the greats. But for right now, it is going to go in the top four on our letterbox. Yeah, people go to the account. They're going to assume it's one of the greats. I'm excited. (laughs) And they, you know what? I I hope they do. Um, (laughs) uh, Number three on that is going to be Parasite, the Bong Joon-ho film. Again, one we have mentioned um, when we we did discuss Snowpiercer a little earlier in uh, this initial run of the podcast. Um, That's another one I know we did mentioned we may come back to and yeah yeah we throw yeah we throw that name around a lot as, yeah, a, as so, a potential great so i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it there um i mean it did win best picture uh you know last year so i think that's the one that that there are parts of that film that very much remind me of kind of this claustrophobia sort of feeling of being trapped um in one's own home granted i mean in Parasite, that is, that's not where they're trapped. But I, I think, yeah, I, this is one of my, my quarantine four. And uh, my last one is the 2020 film, mm. The Invisible Man, Ooh. Uh, released by Blumhouse and starring Elizabeth Moss. Uh, that is one that I watched during quarantine and found it to be just far more than I expected it to be and really, really enjoyed it. Um, so I would, I would recommend folks check that one out if they haven't. Wow. Okay. So it's been, it has been updated. Um, I think I can pull it here. I'm trying to, do you guys see my screen? I was just sharing it for you guys to see. Is it there? Is it gone? It was there. No. Yeah, maybe. There it is. There There it is. So those are good picks. You know, it's interesting. It's uh, one could go any direction with, with the top four slot of the favorite films on the letterbox.com slash greatest movies. And, and I, and I like your route. Yeah, no, thanks. I I do. I, I went back and forth on, on which direction to go. I, I almost exclusively did kind of a, top four comedies to watch to keep yourself sane in quarantine. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm i happy with, with my picks. I think there's a little bit of something for everyone on that list. It's a good, good well-rounded list. It, it, it's a little all over the place, for sure. As it should be. As it should be. That's how I like my films. All right. That's cool. All right. So those are locked in until... Um, it gets unseated and we'll just kind of keep going this little dance as we keep doing our uh... current current standings yeah right, jesse you have two is that correct i have two points have two. jb has one jb has one and you'll be back at zero i'm 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 back where i started yeah all right so that's cool. And so, like we said, at the end of this podcast, before we do today's bet, um, we'll also be concluding the second half of your winnings, which will be you'll champion a film. You're going to give us a short little um, presentation as to why it's one of the great. JB and I will have our homework. We'll watch the film. And then in the following episode, we'll um, discuss and vote 
to see if it's in there. We already know it has one vote, just needs one of us to go on the other side of it. Um, I just, you know, I got, got a couple of bullet points. Cool. That's right. You do have a, the part of the requirement is um, as a, a one slide visual aid um, in the format of PowerPoint or Keynote or something of that effect that um, we can also share and take with us to have on our, as a reference guide as we watch that film. Right. Like I said, so, we, yeah. So in the meantime, let's, let's get on to it. You're right. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about things we've watched. Let's get on with the show. We got a journey to take today. Uh, let's JB. You watch anything lately that might not be a great, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't watch too many movies this past week, but um, in the spirit of the of the five bloods, I went ahead and Netflix was releasing a lot of content um, geared around the black culture, and I watched Imperial Dreams. It was a Netflix original. It was John Boyega, Kiki Palmer. Um, Paul Walter Hauser, who went on to do Richard Jewell um, as Richard Jewell. And it was just, uh, it was a well-directed film, great story, um, made you slightly uncomfortable, which is good. Um, it's a story of a, of a father struggling to make it with his son and, and bring his son out of a place that might, might feel like they're trapped in a, a vicious cycle of poverty. And um, hmm. So yeah, it was a little more serious. It was good, and I feel that perhaps the story was a little painted to make you know, make it a little more digestible for for a Netflix audience. I don't know, um, but you know, watching also the Five Bloods in comparison, I was like, wow, this movie is is far and beyond um, what Imperial Dreams was. But Imperial Dreams was a good watch. Let's um, let's switch over to see if we can see a film that might be a great um, this week. Um, the recently released Netflix Spike Lee film, uh, The Five Bloods. Kind of yeah. let's let's kind of take well t- you know let's before we've as people who might not have been caught up with our episodes we kind of we vote closer to the beginning now but before we do that let's uh, kind of each go around and give kind of our just general thoughts about it. Um, I don't know if Gabriel, if you want to give the quick little two, yeah, let's, let's do synopsis. a quick summary. Um, yeah. So, so this, this is, I, you know, as Jesse mentioned, this is the most recent Spike Lee joint uh, fully produced by Netflix. They pretty much gave him carte blanche to make a film exactly the way he wanted to make it. Uh, it is about four African-American vets um, who reunite in Vietnam to collect the gold they hid during their tour um, in Vietnam while also seeking to um, exhume and return the remains of their fallen squad leader. Uh, This film takes a few different twists and turns along the way. Um, Feels part action movie, part action drama, Part dark comedy uh, and and very much rooted in in I think gravity of of drama, but also this uh, this realm of satire. Uh, I, that's I think it's the best I can do in yeah. in summarizing and describing. Um, Which is good, yeah, because it's even 
which I mean, which I did enjoy, but it, it's it's more precise than say even like the trailer kind of reveals. The trailer kind of paints a kind of different movie. The trailer um, paints a psychedelic landscape, right? Uh, almost right. as if you we're gonna get a film that's set in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, like circa, mm-hmm. you know, Vietnam War. Yeah, it starts off with that day. kind of psychedelic world, you know, swirl the music. Um, which, which again, I, I like when a trailer is a little more misleading and mysterious. Um, yeah, and this one fits the bill. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, so um, yeah, JB, you want to kind of start with some thoughts? It was graphic. Um, that stands out in the movie. Um, you know, something when I was watching it that uh, I bring back to a conversation that Gabriel had, had spoken about to with Lighthouse specifically and um, was this idea that the, you remember the movies that make you uncomfortable. And I think this movie made me uncomfortable and I, I loved it. Absolutely. I loved the discomfort. So the graphicness. I think played well. I mean, this was a movie about the Vietnam war on top of other, uh, there's just so many layers to this movie, racial injustice, oppression, Vietnam war, uh, oppression across different cultures, what it means to be loyal. Um, these dark, serious human themes that are universal, but then also, you know, Spike Lee takes it to the microscopic and sort of like focuses on different populations and how these themes affect the different populations. So those were big and prevalent. It was a movie rich with themes. I loved the surreal flashbacks. And I say surreal because uh, he uses the same actors and he doesn't try too hard to like make them younger. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think he does at all. No, he doesn't at all. Yeah. And and so that's one of the things I, I absolutely mm-hmm. want to talk about because that was something that stood out to me, particularly in thinking about this film versus The Irishman, both produced by Netflix, both auteurs in cinema. Um, but the choice here to let these men live out their memories, unable to kind of see themselves as their, their younger selves. They're, they're seeing, I, and that's the way I viewed that. I viewed that as him very purposely only able to see themselves in their flashbacks in their memories as they currently see themselves right yeah same that was my thought too i I thought it was a good artistic choice good i mean it's as as someone who hasn't seen the irishman but it was a thought like the conversation about the irishman was oh look how they de-aged these actors um and now you've totally avoided that conversation um because that's not the focus of this film and you've at the same time like you said i think when we all think back to your memories especially adult memories, you see yourself in a certain way. You don't see your younger self. You see you. And it's, I thought it's hard to see yourself any other way. Right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think that that was very purposeful. I didn't think that, that was less jarring to me than in trying to watch the Irishman, how jarring it felt to see like a, an altered Robert De Niro. Um, I, I also love the fact that, Obviously, like their, their fallen comrade, played by Chadwick Boseman, who the naming here, right, is one that I felt was very pointed and yes. purposeful, and and taking that that Norman character and calling him Storm and Norman, right. And we think back to the first Gulf War and Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf, mm-hmm. um, but freezing him in time, 
right? He's remembered exactly at that age that they all were. Um, and, and that juxtaposition, right, of, of the, the fallen brother versus these present day, like soldiers revisiting Vietnam as civilians to recover his body. Just, I thought that was a really, really excellent, just stroke of genius on Spike Lee's part to, to avoid having to cast lookalikes or younger, like doubles. Well, well, yeah, and at, at the end of the film, they they include an image, um, like a still photograph, of of the actors de-aged, um, and you see, like, you see it, and it's almost like, I mean, a it serves the purpose of you know the, the five bloods, kind of when they were last together, per se, but then I think it's also Spike Lee's little nod to say, because you know. Spike Lee is not subtle. Um, it's it's his nothing he does is to be subtle. I think it's also his nod to say, um, "Look, this is what this would have been like if I had de-aged these actors, and this is why I didn't. This is another reason why I didn't do it." Well, I think it's also a nod to the notion of photographs and memories. Mm-hmm. Right? No, like no, both, I agree. I think it, yeah, it works. Photographs both ways. are what they are, and they they do capture a moment yeah. in time. But your memories, your memories are still shaded by the way you view yourself when you're reminiscing. No, exactly. Yeah, and, and this, like I said, it just has that as a movie that full of commentary, social commentary, and other pieces. It's it's him saying, "Look, I could have de-aged him if I wanted to. Um, I didn't." Um, I'll say this on the thoughts. My thoughts on this movie. I agree with everything you guys say. I do feel it's a very messy movie, um, and Spike Lee has a lot going on. Obviously, and as I said, he's not subtle in what he's doing. Um, I felt it was a film that it it jumped around from like two extremes always like like you said it's kind of funny and then it's kind of serious is this entertainment or is this education um is this an educational film is this an entertainment film um is you know here's some really high budget filming and then the various uses of um like you know the flashbacks and he think he's like 16 millimeter he does different um perspective so it's very high budget and then other times it almost looks i mean part of it especially the vietnam flashbacks are supposed to look like they're filmed on sort of a 16 millimeter type camera slightly grainy and slightly grainy but they, they almost look like cheap and amateurish as well which you know spike lee you know he, you know he, he knows what he's doing um but you know like some like the helicopter scene crashing some of it almost looks um like I said, just a little, not as smooth as it could be. But then at the same time, you flip to these other pieces and it's um, greatly shot, greatly put together films. You have very serious um, monologues and dialogue from characters. And then you have lines like, we don't need no stinking badges um, (laughs) in there, which is these sort of corny dad jokes almost. Um, You have... What, what's his name um, isaiah whitmore i With think f- from the wire yeah um and he does his trademark shit uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> in the movie as well but again it's just a movie of, of extremes and it's it's i think it's spike lee just wanting to throw everything in there I, um it i yeah. totally agree is absolutely messy i think it's messy and chaotic on purpose i i think it's it's a direct reflection of kind of the society we're currently living in which is very messy and chaotic and uncertain. 
And I think that's part of his nod to, right, this, this through thread of the African-American experience going all the way back to, you know, we get a civil rights movement. We, we have this promise that remains unkept. Um, we have these people who, who dedicate themselves to go and fight on behalf of their country against people who were not their oppressors, right? That they didn't become the oppressors of. And you piece that in against the modern political landscape in America. And it's messy. It's so damn messy. And I think, I think that is an artistic choice on his part. Right? I do think he jumps around. I do think he plays in space. One of the things he's always done is played with pop culture references. And mm-hmm. I think those, those unsubtle nods to these individuals and, and their, their film or television careers, right? I mean, we're talking Clark Peters from The Wire, um, Isaiah Whitlock from The Wire, both give solid performances. I absolutely love Delroy Lindo. This may be my favorite Delroy, Delroy Lindo performance. I mean, it's he he's the one who poses the most juxtaposed character to what you expect him to be. And he's the one who descends into this almost Shakespearean madness. Right. Like Mm -hmm. he's the one who starts to question his own identity. Um, And you, you feel like that's not something that that's all that's all of a sudden happening. It's something that's been a part of his life since Vietnam and since he lost Norman. And it's just now this moment in time where he's having to reckon with that. So I, I think you you nail it, right? It, yeah. it is messy. It is chaotic. But I feel like the way that I viewed that was that was an active choice Spike Lee made in trying to tell this story that is so layered and so complex and and messy. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, JB said it too. It's like there's so much going on in this film, um, so many layers, so many themes, and and it is a lot to take out. Um, I, yeah, I think the performances are top notch. Um, yeah, my other piece that I thought was interesting too is like the choice of music. Um, sometimes I thought like the Marvin Gaye stuff was just perfect, uh, especially like the the acapella um, track of, of Marvin Gaye in there. But then there's other times where it just felt like, what is this music? Like, what is this very, like, um, stock? And again, it kind of plays to the, the, um, the pop culture piece, the things we're used to seeing with Vietnam films and newsreels. But this sort of, like, over-the-top stock-type orchestra-type film music. And you're like, come on, Spike, what are you doing? Um, but again, when I say it's messy, I, I think it works. <laughs> uh, it's just you find yourself constantly moving. I do feel... Um, again, it's some of the, like a lot of the pop culture references, a lot of the, the flashbacks to actual um, either individuals or pictures when someone gets mentioned. Um, and sometimes I think it's done super effectively, especially at the beginning of the film, at the end of the film. When it pops up throughout the middle, um, occasionally I'm like, okay, we get it. Um, I love it when it's, I mean, I don't love it, but I think it's super effective when it's the images of brutality and social unrest and social injustice um, and, 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 and various civil rights leaders speaking um it's great when it cuts to other folks i'm like sometimes i feel spike could have you know sometimes less is more um with that but but again and that's that's what i mean when it's messy it's not subtle um but it's a movie i enjoyed watching from the beginning to the end and i felt and i love the fact that also this this gold 
heist movie adventure film um, that gets a little slapsticky as well. And um, I love that. And so, yeah, I, I haven't heard anything I disagree with either on these pieces. I just, I felt like, yes, yeah, Spike Lee has made a complicated film. Um, no question. JB, kind of other thoughts? And then I say, let's vote. Yeah, yeah. Speaking on the, the gold heist part, um, this movie is long. This movie is complicated and layered. And at the same time, you could take out a bunch of those layers. You could like cut out a bunch of it. And he's still made a great, just like a fun film. Um, I think like the way you edit this film, you could take what's there and create like two or three different films out of it, um, mm -hmm. which is so cool. Um, my brain was spinning, trying to keep up, you know, sometimes pausing and rewinding and, and having to watch some pieces again. So, so kudos to Spike. The wild thing for me here is at no point did I feel like I was watching a two hour and 35 minute long film. It, the pacing is is so just brisk and it's it's so well crafted that it's I feel like that combined with like you said Jesse those like really kind of jarring it's like why is this in here like why is he cutting to this now mm -hmm. I feel like that's all part of him purposely trying to make you as the viewer feel unsettled mm -hmm. he doesn't want you to get too comfortable with this film at any point in time because he wants you to take this journey he wants you to experience those ups and downs and those twists and turns. He wants you to feel unsettled as you watch this, despite the fact that you feel close to these characters, right? You relate mm -hmm. to these characters, but he's constantly just trying to jar you to make sure that you're paying attention. Yeah. And it's, no, I, yeah. It, it is a bit over, it's it's a bit over, <laughs> like heavy handed and like it's he's like hammering you over the head. But Jesus Christ, like how long have we been dealing with issues of race in this country and people still aren't seeing the point? Like they're still well, yeah. not getting the point. And, and I agree. I, th I think that was the thought I definitely had, this idea of like the Vietnam War and, and these veterans who are coming back and, hey, the war never ends. Um, it's always there with you. And then um, when it comes to the civil, the civil rights movement never ended. It was never resolved. Um, these, these ongoing issues um, in America ha haven't ended. And and I and I and I do agree. Those kind of those cuts and those callbacks are to remind you, hey, um, it, it, we're still we're still fighting these battles. These wars are still happening, um, and 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 we're seeing what it's done to um, these guys. And then at the same time, there's this idea of like the whole like chasing gold and chasing this American dream and 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 money and riches and and is this idea of of equality will ever be achieved? Just like will it ever get the gold? Um, I think that piece is in there as well. It's like, why is it a gold heist? Well, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, no, and, it, and that these guys who know that they're victims to it all as well. They're, they're victims and then they're, they're perpetrators of oppression. And yeah. how do they reconcile that? Right. Mm -hmm. you, you very clearly have the Paul character played by Del Orlando, who is clearly suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And you've got these other guys to varying degrees who their lives are not fully settled. Right. There's, there's so much uncertainty. I mean, uh, Clark Peters, right? He he finds out in this film in the first what twenty minutes that he has a daughter he never knew he had, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> it's it's so it's there's so much packed into this two hours and thirty five minutes, and it's done in a way that never feels it never feels overlong, 
It never feels like it overstays its welcome. It does feel heavy handed, you know, but it's the, the bookends, right, of the archival footage. Um, I, I think those pieces are so important. to, And, and again, it's, it's Pike Lee driving home this message, right? He, he's like, I'm going to I'm going to hit you over the head with it at the front and I'm going to hit you over the head with it at the end. Um, but it really drives home this point that like, this is a promise unkept, right? And this, this is a dream deferred. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we still are. That's where we were in the 1960s and the 1950s. That's where we are today in 2020. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's vote. So sometimes the second half of the conversation uh, brings up other pieces. So, um, Let's see where we're at. We all kind of hold up our, our, our answers here. We'll kind of explain ourselves. Going I got great. A, all right, Gabriel, great. JB, got a great. Ripple, great. And I got a great. So it's a clean sweep. I think I could tell by the, the path of our conversation um, that it's a great. I, I'll say this. Um, to me, in some ways, too, this, like, for me, you know, I'm tasked with this idea of, you know, we, we have to figure out what the greatest movies of all time are. And... Uh, this this helped me understand you know greats don't have to be perfect movies um they can be messy films um they can you know they hit at the right moments they 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 don't always have to be subtle they don't have to be um understood by everybody it's it's just they have this piece and and they're important works and i think this is an important film and i think to circle back to you gabriel i think um delroy lindo is he he is he makes this film better than I think it might've been without him. Um, his performance is mind blowing in this film. Um, not only, I think as he's written on the page, as like you said, this conflicted character who is a Trump supporter, who doesn't like, um, who, who's, who's anti-immigrant, who, who struggles with, with so much things. And instead of really mocking him or making him a caricature, in this film, Spike Lee makes him the most complex character in this movie. Um, and then Delroy gives the performance of his lifetime. And I think in some way he's out of the other bloods that are left. They've all, though they're still struggling in life, they've kind of fallen into this almost like acceptance and complacency in life. And, and Delroy's this guy who's saying, I'm still struggling with everything. Um, that's why I'm wearing this. Let's make America great again hat. That's why I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm this guy I'm trying to, you know, he's struggling with the relationship with his son. Um, every time, even the way he would blink or roll his eyes, his facial expressions, I, this, I, was, I could have watched him for another two and a half hours um, in this film. Yeah, it, it's that relationship with his son and in this, this back and forth, it, despite the fact, like, these, these are the men he went through hell with, right? They're the men he felt closest to as a young man um, in fighting in this war. And he still goes back and forth with them on issues of ideology and, and notions of, of selfishness versus selflessness. And it's, it's such a complex performance that they're really like it really could have been just this caricature, mm-hmm. right? It could have been this, oh, wow, it's, it's the single black, like Trump supporter. It's mm-hmm. the one guy you see position on the podium like in you know behind trump when he he has a rally yeah the movie makes the one little jab at that with the arrow at the guy yeah. uh, cutting to trump um 
but no, but you're right. They don't take he, that route with Delroy. No, it and it he's the one who ends up with all these single camera, like breaking of the fourth ball monologues, right? And and they they become the central piece of the third act of the film, right? They're, they're very key to kind of him starting to work through these issues he has with identity and and these demons, right? Yeah. Of 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 the the PTSD he suffered from war and the way he's lived his life since, and the broken relationship he has with his son, and his inability to feel any kind of connection to anyone other than the connection that he lost when Norman died. Yeah, and and when Norman died. That was that was his heart. Like that was the place where he shut himself off from ever being able to give a shit or care about anyone else in the world. And I just that character is it's so well acted by Lindo. It, it's so well crafted and so delicately handled. Despite the fact, that, you know, to your point, like this is a messy film. Mm-hmm. But it is so expertly handled in the way Lee interjects these fourth wall breaking monologues and the letter reading and and every other piece of kind of that arc of like this character's arc. So uh, JB, what brought that into the the great? I mean, I we talked a bit about it, but kind of our what what was that pushed you to the great side? Salt and the Vaseline. We've been talking about Delroy Lindo a lot, that monologue. Um, it was just really good. Uh, talk about Shakespearean madness. If you just watch that as itself um, in the movie, it was awesome. And yeah, that was one of the things that stuck out early on was that they, they yeah, essentially that's what it was for me, was taking this idea of like, uh, given Spike Lee's, very obvious jabs at Trump, but then also putting a Trump sympathizer in the movie and giving the sympathizer like the most complex emotional background was really nice. Um, because I, I find it easy to believe that this is actually probably happening with like current Trump supporters. Um, that like, this is a character that, that does exist in the, in our general population and might be pretty common. And so it made me think about larger things, not just the movie, made me think about, okay, how do these characters apply to like general life? How, how might they appear in our everyday life? Um, and I think the Trump sympathizer character that, that Lindo portrayed and those aspects was, made me think about the current political climate. And so there was that, and there was the grotesque images of the Vietnam War. And those made me think about uh, life on the grander scale. And just every time that there was this like cut scene or this grotesque image or this even panning between the ratios between the, uh, the widescreen versus like the, the, uh, 60 millimeter, um, just. Yeah. It's like six meter film. You had done. Yeah. Like yeah. Four by three. Yeah. I don't know the terms, yeah. but it happened. You know, the screen changes sizes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the aspect ratio shifts. <laughs> Which, which even in that and in some of the transitions mm-hmm. it was nice it would he would like you would watch it stretch yeah. and change it was a nice little touch it made me think about like you couldn't do that with movies previously uh, you know this is a modern technology being able to just like doctor the film to where you can just switch ratios in the middle of the movie um 
just super exciting, super exciting to a lot of, a lot of thoughts happening in my brain when watching it. Um, and then I liked, this is a movie that I read part of the plot synopsis ahead of time because it was a longer movie mm. and I wanted to know what I was getting myself into. And so some of the lines of the characters, even early on, knowing what was about to happen later, later in the movie, I was like, Ooh, yeah, this is excellent writing as well. Like not only is there great character development, but the way that there's foreshadowing and the way that lines flow together and create the anticipation for events later on. Um, it was, it was wonderful. And I, I have one correction to make. Uh, Imperial Dreams did not have Paul Walter Hauser. That was this movie. Um, <laughs> I just I got them confused earlier. All right. Well, people hey. can stop writing their emails. Um, Transparency. We got it. <laughs> you know, corrections, man. Yeah, we're all about integrity right. at the show. Number one. Um, <laughs> speaking of the Paul Walter Hauser character, right, who is part of Melanie Thierry's, like, group of, of action-minded, you know, uh, humanitarians. Like, I, I mean, they, they're there to try to snuff out and remove these remaining landmines from the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um, she's French, right? Jean Renault's character, Roche, he's French. Yeah. Before the Americans entered Vietnam, it was a French colony. Right. And so this this to me was something like as a student of history that I found to be almost this direct kind of or indirect way of, of directly talking about American involvement overseas and, and the wars we fought and, and our colonialism and imperialism um, and the present day leadership we have in place in this country and we see this character who is very dedicated to humanitarian aid right in in um the the heady character and she very quickly right a lot like presents herself in a way that most of the the bloods like warm to her and they find particularly um, Paul's son, David, right? He, he, they start to form this bond and relationship. Simultaneously, the person who is double crossing them, right? Who promised them, like he, he was their key to getting paid, right? He was their key to, to being able to convert the gold and then be able to receive the money on the back end, right? This the same kind of promise America offered them when they were soldiers in Vietnam. This is the guy offering them that promise. He's like, on the back end of this, you're going to be taken care of. He's the one who turns and oppresses them, right? He's the one who, who brings in mercenaries to take them out and to remove yeah. them from the equation so he can take all the gold for himself. This, like those pieces, which are very small, Right, they're, they're not the key pieces of the film. They're the ones that I think point to just the systemic oppression and the occasional humanitarian effort of whites in society to try to understand and relate to or deny and oppress African-American 
like development and growth and, and prosperity. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's why I said too, like watching this, like, is this in a, it's obviously, is this educational too? Like there's, there's so much going on here. Um, and so Both. much, I, exactly. And that was my in, in, in result, like um, with that as well, because yeah, there's so much, little pieces in there if you kind of even look into the dialogue and things people say it's it's all there Um, i mean as much as we've talked about like how heavy-handed a lot of this film is there is a lot of subtlety in this there there are a lot of subtle nods to you know historic hollywood cinema right there are nods to to older films right um yeah it's almost like i wish it's i mean again i think he does really good films but it's it's at times you wish it's it's some of the same techniques that Tarantino does, but Tarantino's doesn't have that same amount of depth um, and layers that are happening here in this film um, that I wish sometimes, you know, Tarantino could go a, a deeper into his films um, versus kind of the more surface level in his, his you know, Tarantino is very concerned with, uh, you know, Hollywood and, and that lifestyle in the world he knows. But, um, but I did see some elements of a, you know, you know, kind of two masters of the craft when it comes to directing and incorporating pop culture um, within their films um, and history. But Spike Lee just saying, but, but here's how you do it to give some substance and actually mean something um, as well. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're clear. They're nods here, right. To, apocalypse now um their nods to the treasure of sierra madre i mean you mentioned earlier right the the use of the line we don't need no stinking like badges yeah he says we don't need no stinking official badges uh, that, yeah. that is yeah right like that's that's a nod to to that film um there's there's so many little just Again, they're overt, and then these these more subtle references to films from the genre. I mean, it, it almost the the last like what like twenty thirty minutes almost feels like a black exploitation version of, of like Rambo. It does. It's, um, it's it's like it's like Rambo two a bit, right? Because that's yeah. when when Rambo goes back to Vietnam. Yes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so it, it, it's it, I think he he knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he he knows what he's doing with these these choices he makes, and do they all work? No. <laughs> does it still make for an enjoyable ride, and and does it make for a a film that still holds the weight it's intended to hold? Yes. No. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, the Five Bloods, one of the greats. One of the greats. Welcome to the Hall of Greats, um, where we'll forever stay. Um, before we get to our bet, though, which would be our next step, because I hear I hear the music playing in the background. It's getting here, but I'm going to have to pause it because we have to set up for our champion film, um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, that Gabriel will be championing uh, the first ever film of the greatest movies of ever of all time podcast. And uh, in a second, when he's ready, we're going to we're going to turn the podcast over to him for, um, you know, we're going to say no more than five minutes, sir. Um, I, I I don't even I won't I won't even need five minutes. All right, he says he doesn't need five minutes, so I'm and, not 
JB, you can be the, the official timekeeper. You can keep an eye on it. I don't think we need to run the stopwatch. You can, I mean, we've been. I'm going to hand it off to one of the interns. All right. Cause, yeah, because we charged the big five-minute timer um, with the lights. We replaced the light bulbs, but we'll, I don't think we'll need it this time. But Gabriel, yeah, you'll have five minutes or less to kind of introduce your film. Um, you, I, you should be able, for the listeners, we're, you know, it's, it's the corona age. Uh, we all Zoom, so you can share your screen with us so we can see your slide. We will be posting this to our various social medias. Uh, and in the show notes, you can click, we'll put it in the show notes as well, I guess, um, his PowerPoint slide. And uh, when you're ready, you'll, uh, you'll get that going. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty excited to share this with you guys. This and you is, should, you should be is, good to go now. Um, literally. I'm excited. One of my favorite films, if not my favorite oh. film of the last decade. And so I, any- am, I am championing Mad Max Fury Road. There it is, folks. Now, the reason why I think this is unquestionably one of the greats. It is an epic action film. It has some of the most insane set pieces ever set to film. George Miller's direction is masterful. He gets some incredible performances out of the cast of this film. Despite the fact that so much of it is unspoken. There's so little dialogue when you think about the length of this film, right? And, and the amount that takes place, they, the, just this move, right? This movement of advancing character, advancing story, advancing plot, and so much of it is done with no dialogue. It is a masterpiece of feminist cinema. It is one of these strongest feminist films I have ever seen in that the male lead is wholly dependent upon the strength of the female lead to be able to carry out whatever it is he's going to move forward while simultaneously there are at least seven women in this film who have names and they not they never once speak of a man in their life who is offering them it this, this film far exceeds the expectations or the minimal requirements of the Bechdel test. On top of that, with so little dialogue and, and so much action, this film manages to create commentary about gender, environmental policy, geopolitical policy. It's, it is the most complex action film I have ever seen. And I, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm able to to speak to, it is the most complex action film ever set to film. And it is, in my mind, absolutely one of the greats. Wow. Okay, thank you, uh, listeners. Um, we'll have the slide posted in the show notes, social media. Um, you should see it. Um, it's it's impressive, and I'm excited. Um, JB, I'll let you speak in a sec. I, I I tell you guys, 
I have not seen this film. What? So... You are you serious? <laughs> I I'm being, I'm excited, but I'm dead serious. Um, I've not seen it. I have not seen. All right, I've kind of seen what two of the Mad Max films. Um, they were on. They were they were marathoning them on Sundance Channel a couple weeks ago, actually, and I, I had them on in the background. So um, I'm excited. This is going to be. I, I have those notes. I have what I'm looking for. You've made a strong case. Two words. You, you did. You did say you 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 took a screen grab, and that's what you're going to post. I'll, um, I'll have you send it to. Um, we'll Slack it, and then we'll uh, we'll post it. Got it. Oh, don't let them know about the Slack. Well, listen. Ooh. Well, I mean, our. I mean, yeah, because the Slack is pretty full because we have that Patreon peer tier where you get access to the Slack. But it's a pricey tier, and there's only, recommendations. Yeah, it's there's only so many spots Ask there. So. Right now, the yeah. Slack's full, but when an, another Patreon spot opens up, mm-hmm. we'll get it on the Slack. Gotcha. Yeah, so I've never seen it, so I'm excited. That'll be next week's film. I find, wow. JB, have you seen you seen this film? I have. Okay. okay. The so, Doof Warrior, so, number one. I will. Okay. All right. I will. I will. I will preface it with this: You do not need to watch any of the other Mad Max films to enjoy this film. I have. I assume. I assumed you didn't need to. Um. um and I won't. There's. Be. There's no need. I mean, those other Mad Max films are very good. There's no need to bring racist ass Mel Gibson back into the picture. Uh, Let's yeah. just jump off with the Tom Hardy. I'm in. All right. So, uh, you know, listeners join with us That's if nice. you want, you know, you, a rare time when you know the next movie. So, um, JB and I have our, have some things to think about. I have something to watch and think about too. God, I can't wait to watch the do Warrior again. That's one of my favorite movie characters. All right. All right, let's transition. So thank you. I got to say. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I This movie is so fucking good. We'll see. There's no other expletive or <laughs> qualifier that I can use to to emphasize how good I think this film is. I mean, this is interesting. As the first champion film, you know, I was thinking about this, not to, you know, not to linger too much, but, you know, one could go any direction. Do you go with one, you know, that you, that, that's like the, your long shot. Do you go with one that, hey, I, I'm really passionate about this film? Do you go with, um, you know, it's a lot to think about. So um, as the first first um, journeyman into that realm, um, I got to say, I also just enjoyed having a PowerPoint slide pop up on my screen and listening to you um, make its case for about three or four minutes. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say you can watch this one of two ways. Okay. You can watch this in the cinematic version, or you can watch this in the black and chrome version. And either one, I think, wow. will hold up and exceed any expectation you may go into this with. In, and and I say that as I've just literally told you how great I think this film is, it will still exceed whatever expectations you have currently. Man, all right, listeners, tune in next week to see where it lands um, as one of the greats or not. So, great. Moving on, let's bet. Let's get our game underway. Um, last week's was a pretty complicated role playing improv adventure game with Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer. If you so missed it, it's there. Uh, we will not be taking you down that same road tonight as our bets are always film inspired. Um, we're going to be doing a slight variation of our movie critic word search game 
where we, we search through um, various critic reviews um, from to, uh, Rotten Tomatoes and look for a certain keyword. But before we do, it's never that simple because I'm incapable of keeping it that simple. Um, we have a little bit of math to do, gentlemen. So either get your calculators handy, um, your pen or we pencil. We don't need those stinking calculators. Well, I'm going to need one because there's multiplication and division involved. Oh, I've got, I've got, I've got pen and paper. I'm good. All right. So I had a pen. I will find it. Um, all right. I found the pen. Here's our bet. Um, there was a key line in this film that popped out at me. Um, and again, the bets, we always try to have fun. It's lighthearted. And, and, and luckily the, the five bloods had a lot of lighthearted moments. There was a line near the end. Um, one of the characters says the five bloods don't die. They multiply. And so this is where our math portion comes in. Here's what we'll be doing. Um, our first step, I just take us by the steps so it doesn't get too convoluted. Um, we're going to be coming up with a final number at the end of our math problem. That final number um, will be used for our search in the um, movie reviews. So it's kind of out of our hands. Usually we just, for listeners, they know usually we just pick a number. How many times does this word appear? And we go. Not when we're multiplying the five bloods. So, first step, we had the five actors who played the five bloods. Delroy Lindo, Clark Peters, Norman Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock, um, Chadwick Bosman. We are going to add up what we think. Bozeman. Bozeman, sorry. Um, we're going to add up their combined real-life ages, what we think they are. We saw all five on screen. Um, we have four gentlemen who are playing Vietnam vets. Is modern day, and then we have one from the time. But whatever their modern age is, we're going to add those up to get a total. And so just kind of start thinking about each character, picture them, and uh, add up a number for all five of their ages. Taking some guesses. Mm-hmm. Once you get that number, are we all there with our number? We're there, I think. Give Gabriel a second. Kind of think about Delroy, Clark Peters, Norman Lewis. Um, all right. Since the, since the five bloods multiply, we're going to multiply that number by five. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's what they meant, right? I thought... That was all I could say. So now you have a new number. I would assume it's probably four digits. Somewhere in the 1,000 plus. It's kind of thinking how math yes. works. All right. All right. Now the final math step um, is some division. And I did just now look up an age for Spike Lee. He is 63 years old. Mm -hmm. We are going to divide your number by 63. Okay, and you'll, and that you'll might be where number. I actually need a calculator. <laughs> That's where you might need a calculator. And listen, um, let's take this to the um, just the first decimal place. Rounding up, yes. and, rounding. And, well, you would round from the second decimal, right? Just checking, you know, keeping people honest. You, you, you want to hear some unbelievable shit? No sure. need to round. It came to a whole number. Oh, right, so, JB, you have your whole number. You have your number. <laughs> Mine is a decimal. Mine, mine was a decimal, unfortunately, not a multiple of 63. Okay, let's, um, I'm ready to, so that's right. So 
Gabriel had a multiple 63. Um, I think that's right. Let me, I mean, I'm going to double check. Double check your math. I think this podcast is rigged. Um, that's what all the emails say. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I did, did solid math. All right. Wow, that's awesome. All five ages combined, multiplied by five, divided by Spike Lee, which is 63. <laughs> and that uh, my final number is 22.5. What does uh, you gentlemen have? 20, 25. 24.3. 24.3 and Gary is 25. Interesting. Okay. Now here's the point where we might edit a bit because of time, but uh, maybe we don't have to. Um, we're going to look up each person's age and, and do this math. Um, Are we going to do it now? Yeah, I'm right. pulling it up for us. Um, I got, I'll just run it through. Um, Chadwick is 29 years old. Which I, wait, wait. Is he? According, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 42. I saw the, I was like, yeah, 29, he is 42. <laughs> He's born on November 29th. That's why I saw the 29th. Okay, I, I was like, I, yeah. I was like, wow. So I had him at 35. He's All got right. a hell of a career for a 29-year-old. I know. I had him at, I had him at 35. I, right. I had him somewhere around 40-ish. All right. Delroy. 70-ish? I put 71. He is 67. 67. All right. And then let's see who else I got. Just have the, the name, this, this the cast pulled up. Clark Peters. We're looking for him. Clark Peters is right around 72. He's probably right about, about the same age as Delroy. He is 68 years old. I'm right. looking. I'm, I'm feeling I'm, good. I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling great. Um, <laughs> let's put up our next person, which is Norman Lewis. Has popped up here. He's he's the youngest of the older guys, and he is 68 years old as well. Norm oh, wow. Lewis. Oh, I'm sorry. I just clicked on Clark Peters, guys. Clark Peters is 68. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thank you for. Excellent. I got to do a lot here. You're right. Norm Lewis. He's 57. 57. 57. Yeah, I had, had him somewhere 55 to 60. I clicked on the wrong tab. Still it, was still, still it, was still, it was still on Clark. Still feeling good. And then Whitlock yeah. is. He's he got, older than everyone else. Guaranteed. Whitlock mm -hmm. is coming up. What has he got, JB? Tell us. 65. 65. Right. He's so got his benefits. Is he? All right. He's 65. Yeah, 50, yeah born in 54. According to September. That's not no. That's that's seventy. Fifty four is twenty twenty. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's over seventy, or he's almost seventy. No, sixty five. You said sixty five. Yes. I thought you, you said fifty five. No, no, no sixty five. Sixty five. I have sixty five. My apologies. So Isaiah Whitlock, Junior. Not Isaiah Whitlock. Yes. Isaiah Whitlock. Yes. Isaiah Whitlock Jr., born September 13th, 1954. 54, mm. not 60s. Age, 65. Yes. Okay. The interns are crunching the numbers. You can hear them mashing away at the he'll little be, calculators. He'll, he'll be 66 in uh, September. 13th, right, I so guess. When, so when I <laughs> add up all five of those ages and multiply by five, um, we get 1,495. We multiply, we divide that by Spike Lee, which brings us to 23.7. Over. Making JB the but closest. I'm, but I'm over. 
Now this is part two of the bet. The over, it's always closest in, in most of these things. So, so wait, yeah, because I have 22.5. Wait. I'm one. I'm point six away. Yeah, get JB's point six. 1.7. Or 1.7. Um, oh, but there's another part to the bet. It's like golf. And I am 1.2. And there's more to this bet? I didn't, Oof. guys, I didn't think we'd be this close. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's more to this bet. JB, Shoot. you're in the driver's seat here. Skirt. Um, you are going to pick, and this is your secret alone. Okay. We'll write this down and say. All right. You I will need... decide okay. if we're going to be looking at one through five, one, two, three, four, or five reviews right? For the word gold. Okay. But we're all still going to pick how many golds we'll find, how many gold bards we will find. And then are we, are we handicapped by our prior? The only thing we're handicapped by is, is JB's choice. We don't know the number of reviews we're going to be looking for. Right. Okay. Are we going to be looking for at five reviews? Mm. So that's, I have an advantage. Yes. A big advantage. Wow, this feels nice. I know. All right. So, Gabriel um, and I just have to say how many gold bars we're going to find. Pick a number, one to whatever. Or zero could be a number. Oh, before he tells us how He's many. He's not going to tell us. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Yikes. So, we're, we're playing. I'm staring at JB now. We're playing a psychological game. Is he going to go high? Is he going to go low? What if I just turn off the video? <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be more revealing than you realize. Oh, um, shit, you're right. The number that you're thinking, this is how Zoom works. It, the number you're thinking, if you just turn off the video, it automatically pops up on the screen. It might. <laughs> it's the headset. Mm. It's Zoom actually got. Thinking, JB. It's actually got electrodes in this headset measuring. Right. All right, I got waves. my number. So JB, what, number what we'll need from you is your number of gold bars, but also how many reviews are we going to look at? And we're just going to go from Rotten Tomatoes, top critic reviews from one to five. All right. I'm going to tell you the number of gold bars first, and I want you to guess how many reviews. All right. Well, let's all show our number of gold bars we're looking for. Let me... I'm looking for uh, three. I'm looking for three, too. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I put 14. Oh, 14? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get rich. You're going, you're going five. five. Are you going five reviews? <laughs> For four. Okay. Four. All right. <laughs> you're, I guess you're hoping they reference those gold bars a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, At least I, three times per <laughs> review. All right, see, I didn't think I was, this through. What I was thinking in this bet was that they might not, they might mention the gold, but then they might also mention like, oh, this is Spike Lee's hits gold or strikes gold nice. or. Mm. But we're gold bars is what we're looking for. There, no, right? just well, just gold. The word gold. Oh, well, yeah, that, gold. Geez. Yeah, we, all right. That we changes. got it. But look, we're all still right. at three. Whatever. This Fine. is JB's win, regardless. I didn't we're think. Out. I. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. No, we could be close, and then we'll have to do a, a runoff. Yeah. I just. I just constantly. I, far well, I, away. I looked at it as the gold bars were all. I'm sorry, I was speaking kind of like figuratively, like we're hunting on the mountainside for gold. Almost, well. almost just a plot device, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. So unimportant to the overarching story. But All right, so JB wants go. four reviews. 
He if needs to get. Four. Listen, they have to average three point two five golds. Oh man, I Gabriel, think. we might be in this for a, a tiebreaker. <laughs> um, the first review comes from theage.com. Again, I just went to. Oh, it's Rotten, Australian. Rotten Tomatoes. I think top critics. Um, the headline: Spike Lee's Vietnam drama suffers from overkill. Um, so did not enjoy the film. Maybe. Did they but like the gold? gold? Shows up one time. A I'm stash out. of gold bars. There you go, Gabriel. It even says gold bars. One gold. I'm just right. hoping someone loves alliteration in the word gold. All right. Review number two comes from the standard. Uh, what is this? Uh, <laughs> London standard. I can't see my thing here. Um, London indoors. It's standard.ck.uk. Um, Spike Lee's flashback to Vietnam will make you want to take to the streets is the headline. Um, gold shows up once. In the sentence, oh god, uh, after a chest of gold, <laughs> oh god, so that's two golds, <laughs> two more reviews to go. I need um, 12. Oh, returning to real views, R E E L views. Um, how many times do they use the word gold? There's no headline. Come on, real, come on, real, come on, real. I have, ooh, again. Um, one gold, so we're at three. Oh. Like in our plot summary, we used the word gold. Yep. A trunk of CIA gold bars. Again. Um, again, a little disappointed that no one's gone the route of including the word gold in their headline. And their reference to Spike Lee's yeah, master- in his masterpiece ownership of of I mean, I feel like you know. Listen, if I'm writing a review for The Five Bloods, the first thing I say is Spike Lee strikes gold. Um, I, you know, I mean, Black Klansman is fantastic, but it, it's very much tied to and anchored to this almost biopic, like documentary piece. Yeah. And this is very freewheeling. And so it, it you know, biopics, uh, they, they lend themselves to tight narratives, you know, precision direction. This is this loose freewheeling kind of thing. And it's so much fun. All right. Our final review to get this back. Cause people are waiting, you know, I, I, they're excited. Salon.com they're waiting. with the nine goals with the five blood spike Lee's triumphantly reflects with black experience on the Vietnam war. The word gold is used control F one time their coveted mission to retrieve a trunk of misplaced gold bars shit so we have four we have a tie um we have to solve this the spec gets more complicated um jb i'm gonna throw this to you as the initial um person with the advantage that just squandered and spoiled you have let's not remind (laughs) that let's not remind everyone you i mean really all you had to do was say four yeah well, listen, you had a mind game. And listen, that's the, the JB mind games there. We'll realize what you were doing, you know, four episodes down the road. Um, the pure genius. I hope show. so. Man, I do hope so. So I'm going to throw this in your court to keep, uh, you know, again, people write to us about integrity every every episode at greatestmoviespodcast.com or gmail.com. There's a lot of paper used in these episodes. Yeah, just so everyone knows, working. full transparency, there's a lot of paper. All right, so, JB, um, I say let's run. Typically, we just go, we did have a tie as well when we did the uh, movie word search for um, the lighthouse, the fart versus flatulence 
um, game and we had to go to an extra review. For this one, I say let's go to two more. We have the New Yorker and the Entertainment Weekly next in line, but JB will pick the word because we can't keep going because we're stuck at three. That's okay. That was my yeah, next question. I was like, how, how do we then, how do we do it? So JB in, in an unprecedented event, I'm, I'm turning over the, the, the bet decision. You're, the word you're losing choice. the right. You're, you're, you're relinquishing the reins, but you know what, when we're in these moments, we have to do it. So, um, true. you know how the game works. We're finding a word. What are, what's the word? Gabriel and I will be uh, hunting for in our next. And how many reviews are we? We're only going to look at two, and that's why I'm kind of giving JB normally. Two. All right. Normally, I just think of the word first, and we just go on. But it might help him knowing and us knowing that we're dealing with the New Yorker and Entertainment Weekly. I don't know the headlines. All I can see is um, they both got fresh ratings. That's all I can see on my end. Interesting. Interesting. I'm familiar about these publications. I have read them. All right, so what word will we be looking for, JB? All right. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, we're ready to write down our, our answer. Looking for the word America. Ooh. Man, wow. You picked a good word. I mean, you did. Holy crap, JB. Two reviews. Two reviews. One film. America. America. Um, clarification, is it just America? Are we saying American? Uh, yes. So America and American okay. both count. Okay. So we'll be searching okay. for America. Yeah, the, the control F will... We'll search America. Yeah, that's right. But if, an, yeah. if an American shows up, we're keeping it. Okay, that helps. That helps. Yes. All right. Oof. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm wavering back and forth between two numbers, and I don't want to go even number. I want to go odd number. And you're, you're, we're in the same thought house here. I, we probably have the two, the same two numbers in our heads. I, I feel like that's where we are. We're on that wavelength. Two reviews. So, so do I need? Do I need to just? Or you could be playing a mind game. You've been going even the whole time. They just want me to write down an odd number. I get it. I am, Play nice. if nothing else, I'm, I'm honest. No, no, integrity, guys. Integrity. <laughs> We're all about integrity. Um, this rice is spicy and sweet. Let's see. It's delicious. Man. All right, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I was going an odd number as well. Mm-hmm. Scribbled it out. I'm going, I'm going back. I'm thinking about our Entertainment Weekly New Yorker. We've got 15 seconds left. No, I don't think so. I've committed. Oh, I've committed. committed. I've committed. I've committed. Right. Um, Wonderful, Jesse. You good? I'm back in. I, you know, you go with your gut in this game. In the years I've been playing our betting games, I never fail when I go with my gut. All right, I got my number. All right, Man. here we go. I'm saying five, nine, nine. Whew. Okay, all right, we got different Ooh. numbers. All right, so so I was I was nine and seven. Were you five and I seven? I was five and seven. I was five and seven. Oh man, yeah, I I, I really I was I was like oof, oof. two. I feel like seven's probably good. But I feel like he's thinking seven, so I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna ramp it up. I was it's funny. I was thinking five and seven, but I wrote five down both times. So we're searching America, which can include America and America. Whatever comes up, yeah, America. Yes. And, um, JB, yeah. are you are we including misappropriations of spellings that include a K in place of the C or triple K's in place of the C? 
listen, I don't think this is even going to matter. Pulling up the New Yorker right now. Spike Lee's The Five Bloods reviewed Vietnam and the never-ending war of being black in America. 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 If you simply put America in control F, um, we get 11 in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Which means, mm-hmm. and it's America, American history, American heroism, American atrocities, American I'm activists, bad, Americans. That's 11 alone, and they're all American, American soldiers used twice in the New Yorker. Um, I'm right back in the running for the next opportunity. Mainstream media. Um, more appropriately, more, more act, more, more entertainment. And American, it was, American civil rights. I was rights. one away with 14. So regardless, that gives Gabriel had the we, win. Have we gotten to this and, and had the ask been America? Yeah. Yeah, JB, I mean, you would have crushed it. My mind uh, was just ahead goal. of the game. Goal. Good, good. Less pick. important than America good in this scenario. Pick. Well, I was trying to play on the game. Like, hey, we're going to go hunt for goals like like these guys in the film. We're going to. No, it's. I, I mean, it's a good pick. I. But hey, it made the tiebreaker all the more fun, inventive, and fun. So, um, congratulations, Gabriel. That gives you um, no need to save a film um, from being the great because the blood, Five Bloods is a great. Um, but that does give you tonight's last word and. You're back on the board with a point. Um, two points for me, one for JB, one for you. And uh, we'll turn it over to you to wrap up this podcast. Last word. I mean, what do I say? Like, there's, there's already been so much that we've said. Uh, yeah, I, look, I think there are a lot of really strong films in Spike Lee's filmography. Um, one of my personal favorites is probably one of his least well-reviewed films and it's bamboozled and bamboozled to me is the possibly the single greatest work of satire in in the last like 30 years of film um it's misunderstood it's misappropriated and it is misrepresented and the way that people interpreted that film. I think that's a film worth a second watch. It's worth a watch through a lens of understanding, through a lens of equality, through a lens of equity. Look, put it on your watch list. Find a way to see it. I don't know if it's streaming, but take the time to watch Bamboozle and understand how the audacity of asking a black actor to put on black face to perform a role as a black man in a film to call question to the absurdity of Hollywood and society in the way that they, they ask nay in the way that we ask blacks to conform and contort themselves to fit the neat role models and molds that we've created. Bamboozle is a fantastic film. The Five Bloods is one of the greats. Malcolm X is one of the greats. Spike Lee potentially has a handful of other films that can be considered one of the greats. That's what I'm going to leave you with. 
that's where I stand on this. I'm out. All right. Thank you for that. And thank you, everybody. Um, JB, Gabriel, thanks for uh, talking and watching movies with me. Always a pleasure. Feels great to be anointed. Let's do it again. All right. Jerry Road, next week.